Welcome to Clear Talk. I'm uh, very excited today to have one of my favorite guests on, Joel Harris, president of uh, Solutions 360. How are you, Joel? I'm doing great. Thanks, Brad. With an intro like that, I can't. I can only go downhill. Yeah. Well, let me start by asking, how's the new job? How's that working out? The new job is fantastic. Surrounded by a great group of people uh, trying to make an impact and a difference in this industry that we both love. Well, we're thrilled to have you here. So um, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to our conversation that we had a little while ago about business valuations. I mean, there's been a, a lot of activity in the last few weeks. We've seen a number of acquisitions uh, happen. So maybe you can start just by talking a little bit about what's causing all this activity. Well, in general, uh, what's causing this activity are two, two drivers. One is that the owners are aging out in our industry. So they're all uh, look a little bit like you and me. <laughs> they're in their uh, 60s and they're beginning to realize that for them to realize the value of their lifetime work, they have to exit. So that's one driver. The other driver is that in all the industries in the United States, private equity is driving force between uh, providing capital to businesses and private equity works in a very certain way. There are uh, people invest in smaller funds. They grow that EBITDA as a con consolidated basis and they sell it to the next tranche above them. And there's two ways to increase the value of EBITDA. One is to compile a group of companies together and then create, drive operating earnings out of that group of companies so that you increase the value as a, as a bigger company. So it's both a size and scale play coupled with an industry that has people wanting to sell. Hmm. Okay. And you were starting to talk a little bit about the factors that drive maximum valuation in a business. Can you expand on some of those factors and what we'd be looking for? Absolutely. Be happy yeah. to. So uh, first, there's kind of two major factors. There's the external things that you can do nothing about. And then there's the internal things. We'll focus about the internal things. But the external things would be things like the size of my company and the EBITDA that I'm performing. I, uh, that I'm driving at uh, from from uh, a bigger is better uh, EBITDA, then I'm only going to get that if I can consolidate it. Significant stair steps. Uh, there is the uh, the debt, and private equity or uh, institutional investor has much easier access to debt. So sometimes uh, capital structures favor an industry, and other times capital structures don't. And there's times when I've personally been in this industry, I've seen valuations for the exact same type of company, be it a three or a four, and that same company in a different period will sell it or seven, eight multiple, just as a comparison. So there's always what is going on in the macro landscape that's driving interest in that specific industry. And that changes over time, just as we know in the stock market, stocks come and go out of favor uh, for forces that we don't always understand. And the same thing can be driven down. Those are the external factors. The internal factors all are about taking risk out of my business. The more risk I take out of my business, the more my business is worth something or value of. And there's three primary drivers of that. Number one is I want to show uh, steady earnings. I don't want earnings that bounce all over because even if they are on average in the right trend up, then I, as an investor, I don't know which one I'm buying. Am I buying the poor performer next year or am I buying the good performer? So I want to see steady earnings. We want to see the growth. Higher growth equals better valuation because as an investor, I'm buying the future, not the past. But the past gives me an indication. And then finally, I want to see sustainable growth. And sustainable growth, it means that under my uh when I buy it, the, the results are going to be just as predictable as under your, uh, gov your governance, right? So I have to have things uh, that we'll talk about a little more. 
but things that allow me to have a sustainable business rather than just one that worked good under the seller's management. Very good. Now, I know you've been on both sides of the table in the uh, acquisition uh, phase. Um, what are some of the things that cause you concern when you're looking at a company to acquire? Well, we talk a, a little bit about this, right? So one of the things that caused me concern is, is when I ask for simple business uh, information and they can't get it to me, then that would indicate that they're not a very well-structured or very well-run company. Simple things like, top, who's your top 10 customers? What verticals do you serve? Who's your top 10 vendors? What's your spend? Uh, what are your, your P&L results? And uh, can, I have, uh, can I have simple income statements uh, from, from you for a period of time rolling 12 months or whatever? When, when, when companies can't easily provide a set of very basic management information reports, then I get concerned. Often one of the reasons is because we have CRMs that are different from our service packages, different from our project package, different from our accounting package. And then the, the real bad thing happens, and I see this actually in confidential information memorandums where the information on page two contradicts the information on page 10. That is a big red flag for me because I'm going to go with the worst assumption about the two cases, and I'm going to make an even more damning assumption, which is that may not be all the honest truth. And so I start digging harder. Yeah, I would have to think that kind of ambiguity would uh, erode trust for sure uh, during yeah, that process. Sure. Yeah. So the second, the second thing is, is that when that information is um, uh, not consistent across the organization, and so it's one thing to have it ready and have it be uh, consistent within the reporting, but then do the systems and processes that are used to generate that information, are they reliable? And so then I'm looking into behind the numbers to say, how were those numbers generated? Is the business really working? Great. Now, another point we had talked about a little earlier is the position of the owner within the company and how reliant that company is on the owner's actual activity within the business. Could you talk a little bit about that? It's an interesting thing. I've done a dozen deals and every owner tells me before the deal closes, hey, I'm all in. I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing this. I love this company. I love the people. I'm just, I'm going to stay all in. The perspective changes the minute I write a check and slide it across the table for however many million dollars, because now that owner is an employee who no longer has their livelihood dependent on running that business. And so it's a real major issue for me if I'm buying a company whose owner has not invested in transitioning to an executive leadership team. I want owners who can basically non-involved in the business because then I know when I take over that company, it will run without that owner's involvement because I guarantee you hmm. the owner won't be part of that company in, in a meaningful way going forward in the same way they were when it was, was, was the net income that was fueling their bank account. Right. So if I want to start moving in this direction, what should I start doing today? And where could I expect to be maybe a year from now? Two things. Uh, number one, build out your executive leadership team and figure out how to demonstrate to sellers that you are not an integral part. If you're one of the people in this mini industry who formed a good business around your cult of your personality or your technical skills or your sales skills, figure out how to demonstrate to the sellers that that is no longer the case, that there is a functional executive team that is taking care of the business that is not dependent on you. And the second thing is, run a company that has predictable outcomes. And so I, I can point to the strategy. I can point to the operating plan. I can point to the sales plan. I can point to the marketing, what I'm doing that drives the business so that 
a year from now, that plan yields the results I do. So you have to be able to show uh, investors that I can plan and I can achieve those plans. And you do that by having a track record of having those basic management tools in place that say, here was my plan and here were my results. And that allows, gives people great confidence because often when I'm looking at a SIM or confidential information memo, it always shows this hockey stick growth after somebody else acquires it. And I'm not fooled by that. I want to know what happened when you were running it and what are the plans that you have in place that can show me that you're driving growth, you're driving stable earnings, and you're driving a sustainable organization. Well, well, you've, you've really given us a lot to think about. And uh, I think this is a subject we should probably come back to at some point in time. But I think that's enough for today. I really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll look forward to talking again soon. Thank you, Brad. It's always a pleasure. Take care.